what we find is that companies, while they may know obviously what their key products are, they may not truly understand what's driving the variance in revenue and cost. Those are the things that in an uncertain time can change on a dime. And those companies that have an understanding of what those drivers are and where they're exposed are going to be able to mitigate that risk a lot quicker. You know, the digital world-class companies, they've got potentially a contingency plan. You know, they're able to make what-if types of scenarios, predictive modeling, etc., to understand what would happen. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, and welcome to today's Business Acceleration Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fitzgerald, Senior Director, Finance Executive Advisory here at Hackett. And today we'll be talking about how finance and other parts of the organization can thrive through these times of unprecedented uncertainty and more effectively navigate the risks and challenges uh, in today's business environment. So for today's session, I'm joined by Digital Enablement Principal here at the Hackett Group, uh, Justin Gillespie and a director in our finance transformation practice, Tony Ralvis. Welcome, gentlemen, to today's podcast. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, thanks, Sean. So to get us started, you know, we've been been doing some research here on thriving through uncertainty here at the Hackett Group, and I think it's important that we define uncertainty for purposes of our audience. So one of the uh, definitions I found in my research was from Frank Knight at the University of Chicago, who describes uncertainty as an unknown risk, And he talks about risk being a measurable uncertainty. And I think it's very germane because we believe companies are facing unprecedented uncertainty, not because the challenges themselves are unique, but so many of them are happening simultaneously. And these uncertainties cover things like inflation, environmental risk, marketplace risk, geopolitical instability, operating model challenges, technology challenges and advancements changes in product, service offerings, and pricing, and other related types of uncertainties. And for these uncertainty types, right, there are clearly identical risks and related probabilities that companies can identify, assess for their likelihood of occurring, and, and those are useful in developing and executing a corresponding set of mitigating and alternative actions to overcome those uncertainties and challenges. And we know from our research that digital world-class companies are better at managing uncertainty and overcoming the related risks because they have more advanced data analytics capabilities and competencies. They create empirical and actionable insights, and they effectively implement and execute plans to mitigate those uh, uncertainties and related risks. So that said, Justin and Tony, what should people do or how should people approach analytics and forecasting and all the related quantitative analyses that they can do to categorize risk, manage it, and mitigate it effectively. What are some of the things that you guys have seen in your practice areas and supporting clients? Sure. Tony, you want to take a first stab and then I'll add some color? Yeah, I would say, you know, I think the biggest fundamental step a company can take is just know your business, right? When I say know your business, how you make money, right? So take a P&L, start to look at the underlying uh, items that pull that P&L together and then start to dig on in on those items and understand how those items are connected, right? So typically what we would do from a quantitative mathematical perspective is 
create that driver based model, right? So that to me, that's probably the the biggest fundamental item that companies can start with. Yeah, I, I would agree. I like the way you put it. Know your business. That may sound cliche and almost insulting, but what we find is that companies, while they may know obviously what their key products are, to Tony's point, they may not truly understand what's driving the variance in revenue and costs, right? What are the true drivers? And so that's when we talk about know your business, it's know what those true drivers are, because those are the things that in an uncertain time can change on a dime. And those companies that have an understanding of what those drivers are and where they're exposed are going to be able to mitigate that risk a lot quicker, right? And so again, you go back to the digital world-class companies, they're able to respond to those risks, one, because they have a better understanding of where the key vulnerabilities may be. Two, they've got potentially a contingency plan, right, for that. And then three, you know, they're able to make what-if types of scenarios, predictive modeling, et cetera, to almost like war game simulation, right? Understand what would happen if China all of a sudden shut down, right? And China is 50% of their, say you're a pharma company and they're 50% of your glass beaker business. And all of a sudden they shut down. Having some kind of contingency plan where you say, okay, I'm going to ship, you know, a quarter or a third of that over to India or Malaysia. I know I've got you know companies in Italy that I can call on. So they've got a contingency plan. And I think that, again, understanding those drivers to Tony's point is crucial uh, to being able to respond quickly. Yeah. And, and I th- those are great points. And I think I want to call this out explicitly because this isn't kind of you know the forecasting that companies have been doing for decades. When we talk about advanced analytics, it's the difference between you know traditional FP&A forecasting planning versus more of what I call of developing a data science competency. And, and when we talk about advanced analytics, maybe you can uh, articulate for our audience the types of differences that an advanced data science analytics approach would be versus a traditional finance forecast that people have been doing for, for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tony, I'll take this one and please add in. But I think to your point, what we're seeing in most cases, and especially in digital world-class cases, is the movement toward bringing on a data science team. I, I talked with a CFO you know, recently, and he said, you know, I'm not even hiring entry-level accounting folks anymore from universities. I'm hiring data scientists, right? I'm hiring people that have the skills to find out you know, where my risks and my opportunities are. So, you know, I think, again, organizationally, you're seeing companies make that switch. And now, obviously, with the whole burgeoning AI, it's even going to accelerate that. But having that data science competency is key. Now, a key part of being able to do that kind of data science is the data, right? I always say that 95% of data science is data. The other 5% is science. So now more than ever important that companies get their arms around their data, understand their data, get it out of silos, democratize it, put it into a, a place where they can unleash these data scientists on it and they can they can start to gain those crucial insights. So Tony, I don't know what you would add there. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I think about is, you know, it's it's what I always kind of a Shrek metaphor, right? So if anyone's a big fan of the Shrek movie, everyone knows ogres are like onions, right? They've got layers, right? So as you start to kind of peel back the onion and really trying to figure out where your business is at, right? Maybe that first layer is just kind of the fundamental, you know, how is my business performing? You know, to back to Justin's point about the scenarios, how is it all interconnected? But then I think the other thing that that once you start to get into the data science realm is you're starting to look at external factors, right? You're starting to look at how do my customers impact my business? You're starting to, to layer on just natural items that you know are impacting your business, but you have not been able to quantify, right? So, and, and then starting to look at that from a historical perspective so that you can start to understand, you know, if we're in this scenario, here's typically what happens, right? So to me, that's the other thing that, that as you start to go down this path, that's one of the big things that might get overlooked a little bit is the fact that you can start to get a little bit more nuanced and start to kind of dig in and peel back some of those layers to your business. No, great, great points, gentlemen. But I, I would, you know, make the statement that a lot of companies are actually tortured by their data. And in a previous life, I was a Lean Sigma black belt running continuous improvement programs at large companies, including a Dow 30. And we would always have people complain about data quality. You know, people were always seeking what I called perfect data. And if you wait for that perfect data, you're never actually going to get to a place where you can start analyzing, informing, and then making decisions and actions uh, from those findings. What guidance can you give organizations and our audience today about you know, how should they be thinking about their data and approaching it? Because the other observation I've seen in my career is typically when you first start analyzing a new part of the business or looking at data differently, the results are never pretty initially because it's an area that you haven't informed yourself on previously nor managed. So, you know, can you guys comment on, you know, data quality, completeness and have a willingness to iterate because it's not going to be pretty the first time you start looking at some of the stuff, right? Yeah. So, um, no, you make a good point and, and, um, the data that you need to be able to answer these kind of questions has to be good enough to give you directional estimates, right? And this is one of the things that Tony and I, when we talk about data science and advanced analytics and predictive analytics and machine learning, that we have to constantly reinforce with leadership that your answers are not going to be balance sheet precise, right? We're not you know, we're not looking to, to say we're going to predict revenue to within three decimal places over the next year. We're not booking journal entries. Yeah, exactly. We're not booking journal entries. We're trying to give a sense of direction. And so I think, yeah, your point about data quality, it has to be good enough, right, that you're not going to get bad inferences, right? You don't want data that's going to tell you you're going to grow by 10% and you actually aren't. Um, and it's because you had bad data, but you don't need such pristine data that you'll never get there, right? And that's, I think, where a lot of folks uh, maybe stumble and fall. Data quality is a lifelong journey. I always call it, it's, it's good hygiene, right? It's not like you can say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean up my data and then, then nirvana, right? I'm going to have you know, all this stuff. It is a constant daily hygiene that you have to implement within the organization. And what you can do is you can, you can start in one area, you can clean that up good enough, right? That you can start to make these, these inferences and you take that program and you move it to other areas in the organization. But it is, again, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. You have to, you would brush your teeth every morning before you go to work. You have to clean your data 
every day. You can't just say, okay, we're done, right? Especially in today's world, you know, of huge M&A activity, the ability to bring in so many different external data feeds, social media, you're going to be constantly working on data hygiene. Yeah. And and I would say it's, Justin, if your analogy is brushing your teeth, my analogy is picking up your room, right? So I've got to have one of my sons continually pick up his room, right? Every day. He's like, oh, I just did it. Like, no, you've got to constantly be cleaning your data. And I think the other big thing here is back to kind of the journal entry metaphor that we were talking about here is it doesn't need to be precise. We're looking to be directionally correct. Uh, We're looking for correlations, positive or negative. You know, sometimes those negative correlations can be good because it tells us something different about the business, but it's, that's really kind of what we're trying to manage too. And then I think just the the last point that Justin brought up was as you're going down this process, uh, new ideas are going to come into, uh, come into play, right? If you're talking about kind of the social media, another way to kind of get a pulse on your customers, like there are going to be other data sets out there. And if you're kind of going through these processes, cleaning your data, looking at uh, correlations and how how things are positively or negatively correlated, new data sets to the business, you'll be able to manage those a lot easier going forward. Oh, really, really good points uh, both of you make. So for our listeners, uh, if they want to get started or or level up uh, advanced analytics as part of their process competency, what are like the five key things, five or 10 key things that you would guide uh, organizations and leadership that want to start looking at advanced analytics as a way to competitively differentiate themselves and be better informed about what drives their business. What guidance or advice or things do you think they need to be focusing on initially? Yeah, I'll take the first step. So similar to what I led off with was, again, just understanding you know, how you make money, understanding the lowest level of detail that you need to go to, uh, create, like uh, I would say, number one is create that mathematical model. Right. And this mathematical model doesn't have to be anything uh, very advanced. It's usually a, a price times quantity type model. And we get into labor and other items like that. And then I think step two here is we've talked a little bit about kind of historical, but I think really what we're looking to understand are based on different line items, different items that we're, that we're trying to forecast or predict on. Uh, we want to understand past history, right? We do understand, you know, Look, COVID, we had huge revenue run up, and then post COVID, we had a you know a balloon pop, and this is kind of the uh, what we saw with with the business, right? So, part of that is you start to get really smart about your business, and unfortunately, I think a lot of times that gets lost when companies are moving resources around or ch- tools are changing, things like that. So you kind of lose that understanding of your business, some of that tribal knowledge about how you performed in the marketplace. So. To me, it's it's mathematical models, understand your history. And then number three is probably really start to focus in on the skill sets, right? So when you get into the space, it's we're really looking for people that, you know, and resources that can do the math, but it doesn't have to be very quantitative, right? So I think that's the other thing that gets lost out there is that you don't have to have a PhD in data science to do this work, uh, but you do need to kind of be reason, uh, you know, knowledgeable enough to pull together some of these concepts and to be able to kind of look look beyond the horizon there. Yeah, no, really, really good points. I would echo and, and highlight an exclamation point what Tony said about skills, right? Skills and talent, making sure that you acquire the right skills and talent either through, either through you know, recruiting and hiring or upskilling or both, right? There's what we call data scientists. 
and citizen data scientists. And citizen data scientists are those people that are in the organization that have those skills that Tony mentioned, right? They, they, they know the business, they're curious about the data, and with the right set of tools, they can go a long way or paired with a professional data scientist, they can go the right way. I would say, just to add to what Tony said, as I mentioned before, breaking down the data silos is a key step, right? I'm a big believer in data democratization. Data democratization does not mean uh, lackadaisical data security, right? We're not just saying, here's a big pool of data, data lake, and everybody can go jump in it, right? What it means is that that you have it available for those people that need it so that they can do the analysis. Because, you know, look, uh, we all know that so many times companies get stuck when they say, you know, I need to understand, you know, they've got a crucial, the CEO comes and says, you know, got a crucial question from the board, or we believe we may have a vulnerability and I need a report. And they have to go to 16 different systems to pull the data together. That kills the ability to do analytics. So you have to bring the data together um, into, you know, a a modern cloud-based data architecture where it is brought together and democratized. So, So, you know, data democratization, skills and talent, right? It needs to be driven from the top. Analytics needs to become as important as air for an organization, right? And, and you know, there's uh, great quotes out there. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but essentially, you know, something like, you know, analytics is the, is the if, if data is the oil, if data in the 21st century is what oil was in the 20th century to the industrial revolution, then analytics is the combustion engine, right? So it, analytics has to be a uh, corporate priority. It has to be set from the top. So, you know, again, I don't know if I'm going to get to five, but but those that Tony mentioned, plus I think the democratization of data, the corporate strategy and and focus on analytics has to be there. It can't be it can't be a pastime, can't be a hobby, right? Yeah, and Justin, I think to that point though, if you wrap all that, that becomes kind of you know a bit more of a data driven culture, right? So, and that's ultimately what you're trying to get to, right? So. We're trying to infuse in our business, you know, not the gut, but, you know, a fact-based uh, view of the world and where do we think the, the where do we think we're going to go, right? And, that, and that's not to blindly trust models and everything else, but at least be as smart as you can with the tools that you've got as fast as you can uh, to be able to make those best decisions, right? So it, to me, that's, that's the magic uh, you know, the magic in all of this, be able to pull all that together. And to those points that you both so eloquently made is, you know, if I think back to Ari DeGeis's uh, The Living Company article in the Harvard Business Review in the mid 90s, he analyzed companies that were anywhere from 100 to 700 years old that were still going concerns. And one of his key findings was that learning faster than your competition on a regular basis is probably the only source of sustainable competitive advantage that an organization can have in order to thrive, you know, for as long as these companies had in his analyses. And the, the other thing is I would, I would also proffer is, as you guys talked about developing those skills and talent, I've often spoken about digital transformation being what I call a team sport and a long game, meaning it's going to take you a number of years to build out and transform yourself, but you need the right partners along the way. And, and, and with that in mind, as we kind of, you know, wrap up in the next few minutes, 
Is there anything that you can talk about here at Hackett that we do and deliver on in terms of these partnering competencies for advanced analytics to help companies? And, and for the members that are listening, is there any research that you might point them to to uh, explore post-session today? Well, yeah. So I think uh, in general, we have, you know, if we think about from a finance transformation perspective, we have um, all kinds of market offerings that work with clients to address different processes. In this particular space, we do have advanced analytics and forecasting capabilities where we can work with with clients to start those first steps of creating a, a new predictive forecasting model, right? So it's real basic. And as far as research, you know, some of the, we, we have been in this space probably now for a good five, six years now, really working with clients, you know, and one of our earlier projects was we worked with Verizon and we have a research note out there. So I know that's, I think, in our member center where it's a case study that talks about how we worked with Verizon and the wireless uh, a corporate group to, to basically create what we've just talked about, create that, that driver-based model to get to the drivers that really matter, to be able to pull those forecasting insights you know, within a day as opposed to three or four weeks, as sometimes based on kind of data issues. Yeah. And Tony's being modest. He's one of the co-authors of that excellent study, which a few years ago was actually the most downloaded, most requested uh, study at Hackett. So very solid piece of research there. So, you know, Tony talked about some of the functional offerings that we have from a technical perspective. Obviously, we also help clients implement those. You know, again, I come from, my, you know, my, my group is digital enablement, right? That's what we do. We, we enable digital technology. So we help clients design and build these kind of do- democratized uh, data systems that we talked about. We help them design and build the types of, you know, data models for being able to do uh, advanced analytics and data science. We have uh, a group of highly capable data scientists that can augment uh, another company's team of data scientists. We can help jointly come up with ideas, right? What, you know, what kinds of things would really help move the needle for a business. And sometimes it's not even coming up a priori with what would move the needle, but actually using data science to figure out where the blood on the shop floor is, right? So being able to use advanced analytics to do that, you know, we have those capabilities from a technical perspective as well. So, and yes, a plethora of research. Um, we just finished a, a study with, uh, with AWS on the benefits of cloud architecture. Uh, I think that's a good one. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of getting people's data off of on-prem systems using the power of the cloud uh, which gives them, you know, the ability to to scale, provides that elasticity, provides modern tools that they don't necessarily have to go out and purchase every two years. All those things are part and parcel. So I would recommend looking in, at those studies as well, and really any studies we have around digital transformation. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your time today. Really exciting topic, very important for business leaders to uh, build out these analytic capabilities. And I appreciate all of the the great contributions uh, from the both of you on today's topic. So thank you and uh, appreciate the time to talk. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode or send us an email at podcast at the 
The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.